Hi humans, welcome to our podcast, Deconstruct. My name is Lauren. And I'm Adam. On this podcast, we want to help start or continue conversations about the beautiful and messy parts of life. Although we both had a conservative upbringing, we've since grown out of a lot of our traditional ways of thinking. We're learning to deconstruct the religious lenses we once saw the world through, breaking down topics like purity culture, racism, and the patriarchy, while demystifying things like feminism, equality, and love. Stepping away from our evangelical church background, all the while leaning into God and moving forward in our faith. We'd love to hear your story. You can find us on Instagram at deconstruct.pod. Now, onto the episode. Minnesota and my whole family's around the Minneapolis area. So it's just kind of been a little wild. It's definitely very telling. Like the kids that you grow up with, <laughs> at least in my case, you find out really quick if they're, uh, what side of things they're on. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think social media has been such a echo chamber as well. And so one of the things we're covering on our podcast this week is, uh, about, you know, cause one of the things we saw was, people on social media being like, hey, if you're not out at these protests, if you're not out at these riots, you know, you're being complicit. And we have a lot of friends who are of different religions who, because of their religious beliefs, uh, don't condone any violence. And so for a lot of mm. Buddhists, you know, they're like, well, I'd love to go to a peaceful protest, but if it was to turn into a riot, you know, that that goes against my religion. And so yeah. we, uh, we kind of reached out and asked, I don't know, maybe 20 people of all different religions and backgrounds mainly people of color about just kind of like how their faith would guide them during a time of crisis and like how they respond wow yeah that's really interesting it's cool i've I've seen a lot of people posting like different ways that you can help out and different ways that you can protest that don't look violent and that don't look you know so so like on the front lines like there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that needs to be done and i've seen a lot of people sharing resources for that so that's been really helpful Welcome back to the podcast. Today we have Allison Delfume, who is a co-host of the What the Faith podcast, a space for the faith curious, helping people become more interested in the journey than the destination, more passionate about conversation than conversion, and more driven by empathy than by division. Also, after meeting and falling in love with an ex-cult member, Allison now navigates and thrives in a mixed-faith relationship, and that's what we're going to focus primarily on today. Allison, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so before we dive in, why don't you give us a little bit of your background? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when it comes to faith, I grew up in a very just culturally Christian family. Um, you know, we attended Easter Christmas, but it wasn't really until I was in college that I even was very interested in religion or religious studies. Um, and it was actually through just being in the dorms. I, I mean, I, I met, you know, followers of Judaism and Muslims mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it was actually a lot of people who weren't of the Christian faith, uh, that really kind of sparked an interest. And I thought it was just so amazing that I was able to meet all these different people and they were able to articulate why they believed what they did. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I was like, well, man, if someone asked me, I'd probably say I'm Christian, but I don't really know the first thing about Christianity. I think I, uh, as much as my faith was concerned, it was like, oh, there's this dude named Jesus and he died and we all get to go to heaven. And mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and so it was kind of through a lot of my friendships, specifically a friendship with a, a devout follower of Judaism, um, you know, pray, praise multiple times a day and all that, that I really kind of, you know, became interested in religious studies and what I believed. Yeah. And so I decided that, well, I can't tell someone I'm a Christian if I've never studied anything else. Like I have nothing to compare it to. Yeah. Uh, so I spent about two years and I read the Book of Mormon, the Quran, the Torah, the Bible, um, kind of delve into some Eastern religion, but mainly focused on Western religion and kind of looked at each you know, religious text critically from a historical and scientific level, um, and ultimately came to the conclusion that it made the most sense for me uh, to identify with Christianity. But in that process, I also connected so many dots um, between all the religions and kind of seeing the, the similarities and, you know, understanding that Christianity came from Judaism and Islam comes from Christianity. 
Um, and so, yeah, I, majority of my faith journey really started in college and going through that. And during that studying process, um, at least in the beginning, I wasn't part of a church at that point. I didn't identify as a Christian, yeah. uh, but I kind of just went through it on my own and then also with friends of different faith. And so I, uh, would meet weekly with a particular friend and we would just talk about religion. And, uh, that definitely, that interest has continued even after I decided what faith I identified the best with. Yeah. Um, and so I, I'm still pretty passionate about religious studies and, um, that ultimately led to what the faith. Yeah. It's so interesting that Christians tend to grab onto the whole, um, come into your faith with childlike wonder, like that whole mentality. <laughs> and they use that as, as an explanation and a reason to not do too much research and not ask too many questions mm-hmm. about your faith. But yeah. if you ever meet a kid, yeah. they're always asking questions. Yeah. And well, and that was a hard thing for me. I think it's still really hard for me to grasp. You know, I have some really good friends who grew up in the church and, you know, said that, well, I accepted Jesus Christ in my heart at six years old. And I think for me, like just the way that I came to religion, I think in a lot of ways, it wasn't, it wasn't very emotional. It was very like analytical and mm-hmm. logical. Um, and so for me, it's really hard to fully understand that. Cause to me, I'm like, well, no six year old would ever be able to, I mean, even as an adult, you can't grasp really the idea of an infinite e- eternal God or creator. Right. Yeah. And so as a six year old, I'm like, man, that is not what I was thinking about when I was six years old. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's really cool. Do you, um, do you happen to know the Enneagram? Yes, I do. I don't, I don't follow the Enneagram. I don't really know what I am. Well, you're uh, probably I I, a five. <laughs> That's what I'm assuming. <laughs> I, I don't know. I know there's like wings involved. Mm, yes. Um, but no, I, I need to sit down and do the test. Well, the, the fi- five, I'm a five and fives are like the investigators, the researchers, the ones who are like thinking over feeling and yeah. So mm, yeah, I, I hear that in you. So I'm curious <laughs> for your theological studies, did you go to a Christian academy or was that at more of like a public space? No. So that was what's interesting. So I grew up in Orange County, um, okay. upper middle class, white conservative. And I remember, so I decided I went to University of Oregon for college. And I remember being a senior in high school and having a family friend, you know, be very concerned that I was going to go to a public liberal university. <laughs> and and so the the running joke in my family has always been that I, I went to a public liberal university to become a Christian. Um, <laughs> so. No, I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't go to a Christian academy. I, I'm thinking about doing a master's in, you know, Christology more, more just for myself, you know, just because it's a passion of mine. But yeah. no, my my undergrad was actually in journalism and music. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. It's just like it's so interesting to me once you get into that whole like, once you can step outside of a Christian university and study theology just as a like a cultural thing. And you can mm-hmm. and you can move past the the spiritual ramifications of things and into a place where it's like okay let me just look at this all um, as as equal and and just study things and um, it, it, a lot of my deconstruction actually has had to do with realizing that if somebody has a spiritual experience like if I, I can't discredit them just because their faith doesn't look like mine and so I got to this place where I'm like well. I, even even if the theology doesn't line up, even if the things that that the Quran say don't line up with things that the Bible say or don't line up with the things that the Book of Mormon say, even if none of those things line up in the written down scripturalized version of your faith, I think to me, I can't deny somebody's spiritual experience. And so if I believe that the thing that I have experienced is so big and so powerful and powerful enough to connect with us spiritually, I, I can only imagine that that same thing is the thing connecting with anybody else that has that same spiritual experience. Oh, totally. And I think the one thing that, you know, I think people just don't talk about enough is there's so many layers to it. It's this complex thing, right? If, you, if we think that, you know, from a Christian perspective, if, you know, we're all created in the image of God and we're really complicated things, we're super yeah. complicated, Right. You know, and and so this idea that faith or salvation or any of these like, you know, life's biggest questions would be so cut and dry and black and white. I, I think that I've just come to the conclusion that I don't I don't think that's the case. I think we're a lot more complex and I think the answers are so beyond our comprehension. Um, and I remember one time sitting with a good friend of mine and this has always stuck out because this was like kind of the first time I really noticed just how 
you know, from a conservative Christian standpoint, just how black and white it really is, mm. where we're sitting and talking. And uh, I have a lot of friends who, you know, are Mormon and, and Jewish, and I have a few Muslim friends, and, and we were kind of discussing this, and I go, man, it's it's just, uh, it, it would be so sad if, you know, those people don't get to go to heaven, mm. you know, that, that there's some Christians who believe that, and she goes, yeah, but that's just the way it is. It's sad, but that you just have mm. to accept that. And I go, man, like, so you start, you start sitting back and you go, well, man, here's this God that's portrayed in the Bible, but that doesn't really seem to really line up with this idea that you're telling me there's, I mean, what is it? There's like, I forget how many millions of Buddhists there are in the world. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, you're telling me all those millions and millions of people are just wrong because they grew up in a particular area. Mm, <laughs> like, right. You know, and so you start thinking about all these things or even on our What the Faith podcast, you know, we talk to people. We've interviewed a Satanist, we interview Mormons, Buddhists, Hindus, you know, the whole thing. And you start talking to these people and you realize like, well, man, like this spiritual experience, like you mentioned, is really real to that person. Yeah, It's no different than the spiritual experience I felt. And right. so once I think you kind of pull back the curtain and start being more curious or asking more questions, I think you realize like the painting's a lot more complex yeah. than oftentimes you're taught. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's interesting that like with your story, you know, here on the podcast, obviously we're called Deconstruct, but I feel like with your story, it's more of you more on the side of constructing what you yeah. are, yeah. You know, what you believe in and what you call your faith. And, right. With her coming into it at, at like a college age. That's, that's right. Cool. And I love that. And so, you know, you had mentioned that you're in an interfaith relationship, Um did your partner have a deconstruction phase? And you also mentioned that he's an ex-cult member. So can you yes. explain maybe what that means? Oh, man. Well, yeah. So we it's funny. We did a podcast together, I think, a few weeks ago. And after that podcast, we decided that we really needed to pick and choose which ones we would do together because mm. we probably could have done that podcast episode for like four hours. Yeah. Um. And I also have a, somewhat of a complicated childhood, but it's not as much tied to my faith. Mm. Uh, but we got in with this podcast host about our childhoods and it just went kind of off the rails. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so is I was thinking about it this morning, actually. So in a few years ago in the summertime, I was baptized at a pretty conservative church in Eugene, Oregon. And exactly a year later, uh, I moved in to a house where I would meet my significant other, him and I were random roommates. And I was just thinking about that. I was like, man, like I got baptized in like June. And then that next July, I like met him and, you know, we became friends for a long time and, you know, he's an ex cult member. And so it was just kind of crazy from like a year, um, how much kind of changed for me. And even at that point when we met, like my faith was already kind of I'd like to say reconstructing, you know, yeah. I think your faith is a journey and you're always figuring out new things. Sure. Um, and yeah, so we met and it's also important to like, as I was going through these religious studies, I also became very interested in cults and the psychology behind, you know, highly structured, organized religion. Um, though I'd never studied Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> so that was the one that was actually like Jehovah's Witnesses, like was the one religion that I really didn't know a lot about. Right. Um, I knew a lot about Scientology, you know, I know a lot about David Miscavige and reading Jonestown and understanding Jim Jones background and you know, all these things. But when it came to Jehovah's Witnesses, all I knew was they didn't celebrate holidays and they went door to door. That yeah. was it. Right. Um, and I think for majority of people, that's all they know. I mean, a lot of my Christian friends, I don't think would know anything about Jehovah's Witnesses if it wasn't for me dating an ex-Jehovah's Witness. Right. Um, and and I think, you know, people know, well, oh, they use the Bible. So they're kind of just some other Christian denomination. I had no idea that they were a doomsday religion. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't I didn't know that they practiced disfellowshipping. So that's shunning. If someone is to denounce the faith, your family shuns you. Uh, they don't believe in blood transfusions. They don't believe in higher education. Um, I mean, they believe 144,000 people will go to heaven. And right. then uh, once Armageddon happens, those 144,000 will come down uh, and essentially slaughter anybody who's not of the J-Dub faith. And everybody will live on a paradise earth. They don't believe in the Trinity. Um, <laughs> the list goes on and on. And they, I yeah. mean, these are all things that, you know, a year and a half ago, I had no idea 
Right. I mean, everybody's general knowledge and assumption is they're just like pushy Christians. Yeah, pretty much, you know, and, and I think too, what really kind of just hit me in the face with the whole thing is I, I thought that I was, you know, I I think I had an ego about it because I knew that I knew a lot about religion compared to like most Christians my age, just because I came into the faith differently. And I was interested in cults and my friends have a running joke because I really do find Scientology interesting and like what (laughs) makes people join Scientology. And so I thought I knew a lot about cults or highly organized religion. And then I think to not just meet someone in real life, but do life with that person. I think I really was kind of hit in the face with my own naiveness and just had really no clue the the scope of what a lot of people go through and like spiritual abuse and trauma and Mm -hmm. you know it's like it's a never-ending thing of facts and meeting people who've gone through these experiences and so I think it's been really in a way humbling for me because I think I view if I see a Scientology documentary or J-Dub show on TV I think my response is a lot different because I now know people who have personally gone through that. So had your partner already uh, denounced the faith when you met? Yeah. So um, it's important to understand disfellowshipping. Um, in the Jehovah's Witness organization, they believe that it disfe- you are disfellowshipped if you commit a sin. Maybe you're caught in the sin. Maybe you come forward and you're not repentive. And essentially how they base if you're repentive or not is they you go before a board of people. You talk about what you've done you go through a committee process and then the committee decides if you've been repentive or not. And if you are, you can be reproved and you just go kind of through a year process of you're still in the faith, but you're kind of shunned from your community, but you can still go to meetings. Or if you're not repentive, you are disfellowshipped, you're viewed as uh, you know an enemy to the religion. Um, and that is essentially what happened to him. So he actually voluntarily came forward um, about his sins and things were pretty rough already in his family dynamic. Um, the board viewed him as not repentive, even though he had came forward about what he was doing. He never got caught. Yeah. Um, and he had a month to move out. And so he's wow. been out for a few years, uh, very minimal contact with the family. Cause it's viewed that, you know, if you're an enemy to the church talking to you would put your own faith at jeopardy. Right. Um, so there's very, very little contact with family. Got it. So then did you guys start into that conversation about hit about that? Like when you were friends or was that something that came with the intimacy of the relationship? No. So that's what's interesting. So um, we were random roommates and the like one of the first days I was in the house, we went to this barbecue that our landlord was putting together and we were just talking and I knew that he had somewhat of an interesting backstory because we were talking about childhood TV shows and all the TV shows he mentioned, I had like never heard of. It's <laughs> like, was no SpongeBob, like, you know, and, and so I figured that <laughs> he either grew up somewhere else or there was something there. And uh, that night we ended up hanging out and getting ice cream just as friends. And we, we just kind of really dove in to our backgrounds. There was, there was a lot of similarities, at least between um, some family dynamics. I didn't grow up in a cult or anything like that, but we both kind of just came from complicated backgrounds and yeah. Um, so I knew the first time we even hung out as friends and I think too, like a big part of our friendship before we started dating was we were both just really interested in religion and he was going through a deconstruction process. And now he was now open to a world of all new possibilities. Um, and I think too, along with that, not only are you then exposed to new religions, but you also are exposed to other teachings of Christianity, you know, right. to, like even just the simple, but not simple topic of the Trinity. You know, Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe in the Trinity. Other Christians do. Who's right? Who's wrong? How do you unpack that? What does the Bible say about that? Um, you know, so that was always a big part of our friendship that I think it was always pretty, pretty clear off the bat. Yeah. Uh, and I also was just interested in religion. So I immediately, you know, looked up YouTube videos and bought books. And just because I, <laughs> I was like, man, this is just something I never knew about. Yeah, I, I feel like. You, so you're, it's really interesting to hear that your self-constructed Christianity and like his deconstructed culted side of Christianity has like come (laughs) together and, um, it, does he still relate to the Christian faith or is that something where it's too painful and he's had to walk away? 
Is that part it's, of your um, interfaith relationship? It's an interesting thing. So there's a, there's, I, one of the reasons why this topic has become kind of a passion of mine was, you know, I never questioned being in a interfaith relationship. I, I never really thought it was that big of a deal right. until I was talking to a pastor in Portland about it. And, you know, this is someone who's known me for a good amount of time. And his whole thing was like, well, you know, I, I don't think that's in your best interest. You know, like he, mm. he's, he's just getting out of this, he's out of this religion. He, he hasn't identified as a Christian yet again. He doesn't yeah. really know the Trinity. You know, this is, this is going to be bad for your faith. Mm. I had never even like been exposed, you know, there's second Corinthians six fourteen. you know, what, what does the righteousness have to do with the wickedness? You, you know, I know that verse, but I never really thought it was that big of a deal. And so when I went to, you know, I started Googling and I found all these articles from people of like, if you're in an interfaith relationship or marriage, like you are set to, you're doomed. Mm -hmm. You know, this is why interfaith relationships will always fail. You know, and I started just like reading, and this was pretty, pretty early on in our relationship too. And so I did somewhat question, you know, cause it's, it's hard where you're like, well, I haven't had that experience, but all these people are saying that it's this terrible thing. Yeah. Yeah. People um, say similar things about deconstructing Christians, even within a marriage or a relationship. Oh, totally. And, and so, you know, and that then leads to all these possibilities and realizing that, okay, well, all these people that are, you know, conservative Christians, they write these articles. And the more research I did, I found that none of those people had ever been in a mixed faith relationship or marriage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, these, a lot of these people are, uh, here, I, I actually have an article saved because I think it's just outrageous. Um, this woman named Felicia Masonheimer, she wrote a article about why being unequally yoked is more dangerous than you think. That's the Yikes. title of the article. Yikes. And I pulled out a few quotes from it just because I always like it. It says, dating an unbeliever is disobedience. Intimacy is impossible without spiritual unity. And your body is a sanctuary of worship. So I, I went and I was like, well, who's Felicia? You know, like, <laughs> what's what's her story? Yeah. Yeah. Because, because the thing is, like, if this was coming from someone, you know, who had a mixed faith, marriage or relationship and was like, you know, I found this to be just, it didn't work for me. Yeah. This is like the negative consequences I had on my faith. I honestly probably would at least consider it, you know, everybody's individual, but I went and looked and like, she was born in a conservative Christian family. She's always been Christian. She went to seminary school. She met her husband at seminary school. She homeschooled her kids, you know? So I'm like, okay, well, this is just then a conservative Christian mm -hmm. who is talking about a subject that she has no experience in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the thing that I found is, you know, for as much as there's articles about this, there's actually really few d studies that have been done. And the one study that has been done on mixed faith relationships actually goes to prove that there's very little difference between the success of a mixed faith marriage and a same faith marriage. There's no, that's oftentimes if they do get divorced, religion is not really the reason why they separate. Yeah. Well, I, th I found that interesting in the article. Uh, you said something about um, you can't be intimate without spiritually. What, what what was that part? Yeah. So it's intimacy is impossible without spiritual unity. It's a very I, definitive word. I think that's very, <laughs> I think that's interesting because like, I don't think spirituality and religion, they're not, religion and spirituality are not one in the same. And I'm assuming mm. This was meant to say religion. Like, yes. you know, it's talking about, you know, it can't be intimate unless you agree on every religious, you know, rule and topic. And um, and what re religion tells down. you your obligation <laughs> to the other's right. sexuality is. I'm assuming that's what that means, which that's, its, well, I mean, yeah. that's its whole thing. But spirituality, I mean, we believe spirituality and sexuality, those are closer tied than spirituality and religion. So... I just really disagree with that. Well, I mean, and then you can even look into, and I know like there's there's questions around the Gnostic Gospels, but the Gnostic Gospel mm -hmm. of Mary literally right. talks about mm. do not, well, it talks about Jesus saying to not make any laws that don't govern yourself. Yeah. 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 Totally. I was actually, I was talking about that today actually uh, with my partner, but uh, yeah, I think the, I think where it goes wrong is, you know, unequally yoked. We hear that right. over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we, Ash and I were talking the other day about well, what is, what does that mean? 
you know, like we say unequally yoked, but like, well, what's, what's your definition of unequally yoked? And yeah, I do think in the data shows that, you know, if you are a conservative Christian who, you know, doesn't believe in gay marriage and, you know, doesn't believe in evolution or anything like that, no, you probably shouldn't marry an anti-theist, you know, right. an atheist who hates right. religion and thinks religious people are dumb, you know? And so, but the thing is, is what is the probability of those two people ever trying to be in a relationship, trying to be in a relationship, let alone get married. Right. Um, you know, and, and so I think you can really make a solid argument. And some of the surveys show that, you know, some progressive leaning Christians, oftentimes their values will align much more within agnostic mm-hmm. than a conservative Christian. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of this thing where it's like, well, you know, one size doesn't fit all. Right. And you also have to think about the spectrum of religion. I mean, even if even if you think across denominations, you know, can a Baptist and a Presbyterian figure it out? I'm sure they can. But (laughs) maybe if it's a progressive leaning Presbyterian and a hardcore Pentecostal, probably not. Right. So it's I think what it means to be equally yoked has much more to do with like how you see the spiritual in your daily life. Yeah. and, And more about aligning your values and your beliefs. And one of the things that is really big, a lot of people don't know about is, so marriage research is called, it's called the dyadic consensus. And essentially what the dyadic consensus is, it's the level of agreeance between partners. And so they study this across marriages and mixed faith marriage, marriage couples scored significantly higher for levels of agreeance than couples who are of the same religion. Mm. And so you think you go, okay, well, why is that? Well, I will say from my personal experience, when you are in a interfaith relationship, you automatically know that there are things that you differ on. And so I think your ability to have a discussion about differences or disagreements or things that you know, you don't align with, I think it really opens up a space to have those discussions Yeah, where I think sometimes when couples, you know, you get married in the church and everyone just assumes that you think the same way. And then 20 years into your relationship, a kid comes out as gay and the dad goes, well, you know, it's, it's fine. And the mom's like, well, what? Yeah. I didn't know that's how you felt about, you know, homosexuality. (laughs) And, And so it's a really interesting just kind of study on, and it's specifically about the agreeance levels between partners and couples you know, in relationships. And I think that is so fascinating. And just like the data around that of, you know, there are definitely some pros to couples who do manage to navigate a mixed faith relationship. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, in my experience and what I've seen, I've, I have found that to be true. And even with Adam and I, you know, we got, we got married before deconstruction, but we kind of like spurred it on within each other from the beginning of our relationship. We're just mm-hmm. the first thing we ever truly bonded over. Um, I don't know if you know this, but Adam and I were in a band together and uh, it was a Christian band <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> and um, so he was our drummer first. And then as we became friends, one of our very first like conversation that really bonded us was talking about aliens and UFOs (laughs) and then like underground cities and things like that. So it's like, it's always been, our conversations have always been like existential out there, you know, all that stuff. So I, I know from my personal relationship, even with him and it functioning differently in the sense of questions are like the, the, the bloodline of our relationship, (laughs) the curiosity is the bloodline of our relationship. Um, and just like expanding our our knowledge and our mind and our experiences um, together, that has been so different than from like my other relationships where mm-hmm. it was so um, it was based around kind of check boxes of what do you believe? Well, do, do you believe what I believe? And what about this aspect of you know, the Bible or communion right. or whatever the heck it is? You know, all the different check boxes. And those relationships weren't, in my experience, weren't as meaningful and weren't as you know progressively like moving you forward as a human being well and even in some religions questioning and debating is a form of worship right Right. so like if you can if you can lean into a space where questioning is key and conversation needs to be open i feel like that just opens up so much more opportunity to find a partner that you do agree with i mean it's just like you're talking about right like and there's no assumptions 
I know like denominations can be culturally beneficial just so that mm-hmm. you can find people and you can like, you can say, okay, well, here are my general beliefs. So let me like align myself with people who tend to think the same, the same things that, that I think. But, but I also think it can be so beneficial for people if we can just, if we can try, I mean, that's, that's my biggest thing is trying to stay away from creating a denomination out of deconstruction, not yeah. landing on a spot and saying, this is what I believe and sticking my stake in the ground, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that too. And you know, it's so interesting because when you start, you know, researching more about the history of religions that have come to be, it's because people go through deconstruction. Mm, I yeah. mean, Jehovah's Witnesses is a product of deconstruction. Mm. The founder, Charles Taze Russell, I mean, he grew up Presbyterian, converted to another religious denomination, yeah. you know, and then kind of just, well, this isn't really fitting, fitting who I am. So I'm going to kind of create this new thing or Mormonism. Yeah. Right. Joseph Smith, (laughs) same same thing, right? Well, the Bible's cool, but it's missing some things, you know, and that, and that's, and that can happen. And I think it's really important to be aware of that. Mm. And I think too, you know, for me, I've, and I think we mentioned this earlier is, you know, I've more reconstructed than Mm. deconstructed. Right. And I think that that is, at least in my relationship, kind of maybe the the different scene is because we were both reconstructing in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, my, my partner is still very, very spiritual. I think he believes that uh, the only explanation for why he was disfellowshipped and got out of that situation is because of a higher power, because no one really yeah. knew how bad it was. Yeah. You know, and I mean, he he did Old Testament praying and I mean, he hands and knees, you know, all that stuff leading up to his, um, you know, his council meeting. And I mean, he confessed things to God that he hadn't told anybody else. And so literally the only being that could know how bad it really was and how much he needed to get out would be a higher power. Yeah. And so I think that's been a really like major aspect of our relationship. And, mm. um, you know, and I, I think it's been really beneficial where, you know, we're both very spiritual people, both very curious people and like studying. And I think that that's been a really positive thing of being able to talk about faith in a way that it can be positive yeah. and it doesn't have to always be a traumatic experience, you know, cause there are a lot of people who, you know, get out of um, those organizations that totally just, they don't want to talk about it anymore. And I think that is totally fair and totally valid. Yeah. And oftentimes those, those people will, you know, end up dating or marrying someone who is either an atheist or doesn't really have any experience with religion. Yeah. Um, and, and we've seen that kind of just through, you know, uh, friends of his who were ex Jehovah's Witnesses or the support group, where I'm pretty much the only significant other who is of a faith. Yeah. Yeah. How would you? I have gotten messages before um, from people who identify w- with the Christian religion, probably lean on the side of conservatism, um, <laughs> who are asking me. So they've asked. I I'm starting this relationship or I'm, I'm into this person, whatever, you know, they've reached out and they say they, but they're not Christian. So how, like, can we be in a relationship or they'll even ask me And this in the past, this has been before, um, I've been so vocal on my um, social media, but they've asked, could you pray that, you know, they find Jesus. And then mm. they find <laughs> Christianity. Mm. What what do you say in response to that? I have had my ways. I've had different ways, different seasons of answering that question. But I'm curious how you would answer that. Well, I think that missionary dating is the worst thing ever. <laughs> I think, and um, I think the you know where and because I mean I'm not going to put up a false facade, you know any relationship can fail, whether it be, you know, interfaith, same religion, whatever it is. But I do think that where a lot of couples and even some that I know who, you know, one might be a Christian, maybe someone, the other partner is an atheist is when they try and convert the other person one way or another. So for as much as I think it's unfair for a Christian to try and convert an atheist, I also think it's unfair for an atheist to try and convert a Christian. Yeah. I don't think that is what your relationship should be about. Uh, because I think when you get into the converting and, well, you need to believe what I believe and you need to do exactly what I do, it takes away from the fact that, like, then why are you in a relationship? You're yeah. just preaching to the person. Right. Um, you know, and, and I think a relationship is really supposed to be more about 
you know, help supporting and helping the person along their faith journey, wherever they may end, you know? And so one of the freedoms I think we have in our relationship is I have no expectations about where my partner will be in 20 years with their faith. Yeah. Because we don't, we don't even align now. I mean, there's a lot of things we do agree with, but we don't align on that. And so I didn't, I'm not dating him because he's a Christian or he believes exactly what I do. I date him because yeah, I do th- see that he really values spirituality and he's got all these uh, other great qualities. Yeah. And so even even if we didn't align in 20 years or he wanted to be more of a practicing Buddhist, it's not the reason, like faith isn't the reason why I choose to be with him right. in a lot of ways. You'd mentioned a little bit ago talking about how a lot of people come to their deconstruction time of their life through through negativity. But mm-hmm. I love how you were talking about positivity, seeking positivity, and the conversation about that and opening that up and allowing that to be just as legitimate of a way of finding your faith or finding your your space to question faith. Absolutely. And and one point too off that before I get back to the the question is I think one thing that I've seen and it in a lot of ways the situation sometimes feels melancholy, right? Because here's my partner who's lost so much, yeah. but he's also gained so much. And I think that like living in that melancholiness for a while has been even really good for my faith because it's, it's just been incredible. Like for as much as like hurt as there is. And, and I mean, I feel pain and I grieve for him, you know, I couldn't even imagine. And I think about the fact that like, man, I would love to know his parents better. And I might probably ever, I might never get that opportunity, Yeah, you know, like, and I think the thing is, is, but also seeing the goodness that's come from it and the freedom to, you know, freedom of thought and like him to be able to take college courses and have a career. And like, in my view, from my just religious perspective, like, man, I see God through all of that, you know? And I think to me, that's been such a, like, and I think we reinforce that positivity where it's like, man, like whatever force there is out in the universe, like, this is a good thing. There's, there's like good happening here. (laughs) And, and it would be really easy to not see that. You know, and even just how we met was just such a weird, you know, I wasn't supposed to live in that house. And like, there's no explanation, there's no human explanation for why he was disfellowshipped. And there's all these things that I just think like logically we can't explain, but for whatever reason we met and we became friends and, you know, fell in love. And now we're able to, you know, use our story to like help a lot of other people. And so I see there's so much good in that. Um, and so that's been such a positive thing and it's been amazing to be able to share that with him, uh, where, and so for us, like we don't clash on religion or faith because we both respect each other and he gets why faith would be extremely important to me. You know, I mean, he went door to door preaching, you know, (laughs) like he gets it. Um, but I think as far as the, you know, couples who go, well, I'm a Christian and I'm dating someone who's not a Christian, please pray they accept Jesus, probably my response to be that person is that then you need to reevaluate why you want to date the person. You know, yeah. I, it, I think the whole process of trying to convert someone else is just, it's a, it's a game you're never going to win. And I think that also too, I think that's a big issue with just Christian culture in general is I think Christians feel this like immense pressure to convert people. You know, oh man, if I talk to someone about my faith and they don't accept Jesus at the end of it, like I failed. Right. Instead of realizing like, well, man, like you have no control over that. You have literally no human control over how someone feels, feels just in general, pretty much. Um, And I think that that also leads to the issue of you know, couples who someone converts or deconstructs their faith already into their marriage. Mm. You know, I mean, they're, that that's very common. I, we interviewed someone for our podcast, Neil. He was a Christian pastor for over 20 years. And then you studied more and he identified with atheism. And he not only lost his marriage, but his like three kids that he had from his marriage. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, and, and you, you think about it, you're like, well, man, like, that's like what, that just broke the whole thing that it's the commonality of religion that the other partner either feels betrayed. You know, it's like, well, man, we like, you know, we got married in the church. We are going to raise our kids Christian. And how could you do this to me? Yeah. Kind of thing. I think that's really kind of the attitude. And so if you're already experiencing that in the beginning of the relationship, then I'd say, just don't bother. Yeah, <laughs> like, I agree. You know? 
Yeah, I agree with that. It's it's interesting to see the ways. There are, there are days that <laughs> I'll get messages like that, and I just want to say, yeah, just like reconsider. Like, well, what do they believe? Maybe you should learn a little bit about what they what they're believing. And I think so many Christians think that the only answer is um, agreement. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that's just not realistic, and most of the time can get quite dull. Right. You yeah. know, and I, yeah. I feel like there's just so much more. I feel like there's just so much more life to be experienced. There's so much more like, I don't know, there's, there's trust too. Um, and at relationships obviously, you know, require that trust. And, um, that's the other thing I, I typically call into question. I'm like, well, do you, do you trust them? Do you trust their, their experiences, their, um, their knowledge, their, yeah. Do you trust God in them too? Right. I I mean, if, Mm -hmm. if you're going with Christian vernacular, Right. Yeah, exactly. And I I think it's, there's also another important thing to note that, you know, in the main survey that I'm pulling from, which was done by Dale McGowan, um, which I would recommend his book to anyone. It's called In Faith and In Doubt. Mm. Um, And Dale uh, was in a mixed faith marriage. He has always been an atheist and he married a Southern Baptist (laughs) Um, and and kind of went through the same process where he was happily married for 10 years. And then all of a sudden started hearing all the stuff about how terrible those types of marriages are. And he goes, well, man, like I have a fine, my marriage is great. So like, why, like, why is this such a negative thing? And one of the survey that he conducted showed that, um, it's pretty much, you know, every religion in America besides Jehovah's witnesses and Mormons, the majority of the people that identified with that, those particular religions in their survey uh, all said that other people of other faiths could go to heaven. So that's saying like, okay, all the Christians he surveyed, majority of the the people that identified as a Christian on the survey believed, from majority of them believed that other faiths could go to heaven. Interesting. Interesting. And so, and 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 you have to think about Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons make up about like two or three percent of the U.S. population, right? So, you're, I mean, that's in, so we're including the survey Catholics, you know, who make up. Yeah. pretty much majority of our U.S. population. Um, and also just kind of like keeping that in mind where it's like, well, man, like, okay, majority of people that they surveyed identify with all these other people, majority of them think that other faiths can go to heaven. Like, I think that shows some serious gray area. Oh, yeah. And and I think one, one great thing that, you know, we've done, I think is a great, uh, for anybody who's thinking about being in a, mixed faith relationship is sit down with like the, you know, the, the statement of those churches. So, you know, if you're Mm. dating a Catholic, sit down with like the catechism and the beliefs of the Catholic church. And like, how much does your partner actually (laughs) agree with that? Cause in the United States and even the world, there's tons of people who identify as a Catholic who don't think birth control is evil, (laughs) you know? And, and so I think thinking through, those things and just realizing that there's so many different types within a group. I mean, within the atheism community, there's like six different types of atheists. Only about 7% of the like atheist identified people are truly anti-theists. Majority of people who identify as an atheist on a survey are going to be more agnostics, maybe universalists. And so I think when you like really look at the data, it's not so cut and dry as people think. Um, so I don't know. I always, I always find, find that statistic interesting. And I would also recommend to anyone thinking about, you know, if they're concerned that their partner doesn't have the same faith, there's this test online called the belief-o-matic test. Okay. And it's, it's 20 questions. It's very interesting. You guys should do it too. It's really fun. It's 20 questions. And they kind of just ask you like the basic things about, you know, do you believe in multiple gods? Like, do you believe in one God? Is God infinite? You know, who goes to heaven or hell? Is hell and heaven a real thing? And it breaks down percentage wise of how much you identify with each religion. Interesting. Um, I like that. Yeah. yeah so, uh, uh, funny enough, uh, Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses were my bottom two. Uh, <laughs> I actually, I scored lower for Jehovah's Witnesses than my partner did. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's just fun. And so for me, m- my top scored one was Orthodox Quakerism, and his score was liberal Quakerism. Interesting. So we, Bunch of Quakers it, together. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes sense. You know, Orthodox Quakerism is definitely more rooted on Christian beliefs where, yeah. um, but still kind of this idea that faith is a very internal, personal thing. You don't need to do rituals to 
believe in your faith. Mm. Um, and liberal Quake, uh, Quakerism is kind of the same thing, but more on a universalistic level. So, Well, that so. is awesome. I love that. I, I'm learning so much from you, but also I, I love quizzes. <laughs> <laughs> we do love yeah. a good test over here. So I do have one question for you that we didn't really get to touch on, but I, it, I've been curious the whole time. So with your like expansive research of, of faith, what was it that drew you to Christianity? Like, was it like mm. familiar experience or, or what was it? Um, well, they made that terrible movie called The Case for Christ. Mm. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that. But I, I was the, told to watch it constantly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we rebelled. Uh, the, the movie sucks, but the book is incredible. Uh, Lee Strobel. Strobel, Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, funny enough, Lee Strobel actually used to be my old next door neighbor. Oh, wow. Um, and I didn't know that growing up. I always knew that there was like a Christian author who lived on our street, but I didn't really care. And then I remember being in college and my grandma (laughs) recommended, recommended the book to me because, you know, I was trying to look at things from a critical lens and Lee Strobel was a hardcore atheist. Um, and it was through kind of, him and his wife and their kid went out to a restaurant and the kids started choking and this nurse came out of nowhere, saved the kid's life and was like, man, that's so crazy. I just felt God had, you know, called me to come to this restaurant. Like this nurse and her husband had been at a different restaurant and they left and came to this other one because she felt compelled or whatever. And so Lee's wife started becoming very interested in Christianity. Um, and he, you know, he's an investigative journalist and had originally started the research for the book to prove to his wife that Christianity was stupid. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I tend to research as well. Adam's looking at me like, that's you. (laughs) Well, and same thing, you know, where his, he felt that his marriage was in threat because their commonality was they were both really atheist. And now all of a sudden his wife is starting to show an interest in the spiritual or Christianity. And he's just going like, well, what is going on? Like, um, and so, that's why I find I found his book just so compelling because mm. his whole journey from the get go was not to prove Christianity right; it was to prove it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Lee is now a you know a very devout Christian and has written a lot of books. And uh, though I don't agree with you know all of his stances on stuff, I I just loved his approach to because his whole thing was like, well, man, if you want to disprove Christianity, all you have to do is disprove Jesus, because that's it. Like if you can disprove and show that there's not enough evidence to say that here's this guy who died on a cross and rose from the dead, Christianity can't exist because that's, right. that's pivotal to the faith. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of what, you know, the case for Christ is about. And his whole thing is like putting Jesus on trial. <laughs> right. Um, and that book was the first time that I had ever be even been introduced to the idea that you could like think critically about religion. Mm. That it, it, you could do it in a way where you could study history and talk to scientists and like look at all these other things that go into it. And it didn't have to just be an emotional experience. Mm. And that like really stuck out for me. I, I think the biggest thing is, is I think there's value in all religions. But what I found most fascinating about Christianity was just how much it was just tied to history. And if you think about the person of Jesus Christ, it's like, man, here this one guy, like we're still talking about him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's been prophets and people in other religions that have come and gone and no one now even knows they exist. And so what is it about Jesus right. that we're still talking about this and, and just all the like just dating the different books and yep. how complex it is. And well, you know, people are illiterate at this time. So how, you know, how did this book come to be? And I think one amazing thing about the Bible is there's a lot of atheists you know, who go, well, I don't really believe in the validity of this religion, but in itself, it, the Bible is like the biggest mystery in human history. Yeah. It, it, you know, and so that, I think that is like what keeps me so interested in like that. That's what made Christianity more intriguing to me than anything else. Cause with the book of Mormon and I mean, I love Mormons. I've got half my family's Mormon, but it, for me, just personally looking logically, it it just didn't, totally add up. I was able to read the book of Mormon and within about a week be like, ah, just there, it doesn't something about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or, or Judaism of just talking to different rabbis and they, they believe in heaven and hell, but they don't actually have a solution to it. 
because they don't believe the Messiah has come yet. And, you know, so it's kind of this wishy-washy thing where I'd get a different answer from every rabbi. Um, And though that's true in Christianity, and there's lots of different opinions in Christianity, um, I just loved how complex it was and that it's like a never-ending study. Um, And so I I think the thing is, is like for me, I came on to, you know, came to be a Christian because though there's a lot of things you can argue about in the Bible, um, I just think the, the life of Jesus and who he is was, it's a historical thing yeah (laughs) so it's a historical moment um so i think that's why i you know still identified as a christian and going into that process i didn't really have the expectation of becoming a christian Mm. because when i first started i was like well it's a lot of the stuff that kind of seems pretty hokey pokey i figured (laughs) that i would come out of it as like an agnostic you know and i I had no idea i was like well maybe like mormonism floats my boat maybe i'll become a mormon yeah you know that didn't happen and so that's, you know, in a nutshell, that's why I still identify as a Christian. Yeah. Obviously, my faith changes all the time. What I thought a year ago is not the same as what I thought today, and probably tomorrow it'll be different. Yeah, I love that. I, I tend to agree with all of that. That's, you know, <laughs> although I come from being raised in it and being very immersed in Christian culture, uh, that's typically my answer when when even to myself, when I'm like, are you a Christian still? Right. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I am because uh, everything like you just said, it's like the history and just un- maybe unlike the way I used to think back in my fundamental Christian days, um, Christianity really is a more open-ended religion where it's like right. there's a lot of mystery there. Well, I think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that you were put on a pedestal as Christian. You oh, had a yeah. you had a mm-hmm. stage that told you this is your snapshot of Christianity that you're allowed to exist in. Right. And so that creates a very finite view of what your faith or your religion can actually be. So then it's like once you get out of once you get out of everybody's mind or get out of your own mind thinking yeah. that everybody has this picture of you as this exact specific kind of Christian, I think it I think it opens up a lot. Yeah. Yes. For sure. Wow. That's amazing. Well, I feel like, I mean, I, I've loved speaking with you and I, I feel like you've given some really great um, takeaways, which I absolutely love. Um, yeah, because p- people can actually have something in their hands basically from this episode. I felt um, like I needed to take notes. So. I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is really amazing. And um, I think people who are, whether they're in interfaith relationships or they're, you know, thinking about it or whatever, however that happens, um, I feel like this is going to be really helpful for them. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We really appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. If you liked this episode, please share, rate, and review on whatever platform you're listening. As always, thanks so much for listening. Until next time.